Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Man, welcome to the Rhodes Church Online. So glad to have all of you with us, all of our E-Rhodes family, everybody watching, whether YouTube, Facebook, website, website, whatever it may be. We're so glad to have you. My name's Chad. My wife Dawn and I are the lead pastors here at the Rhodes Church, and we're thrilled to be with you today. So hope you just settle in with your family, enjoy this. Maybe you're watching it back on a rebroadcast. Maybe you're listening to it on the podcast. But our prayer is today that uh, you just be connected with Jesus. It's our vision here at the Rhodes Church is to connect people with Jesus from all roads of life. So even though we can't be together physically, we believe that we can get connected to him. And it's our desire to point you to Jesus who's the hope of the world. He's the one who can change your life. So we pray that you experience him and remember him today. We're going to be continuing our talk that we started last week called We Will Overcome. And we're, we're obviously facing some difficult situations in our life today, but this word overcome is very important. In the Webster's Dictionary, the 1828 dic- uh, version says this, the word overcome is to conquer, to vanquish, to subdue, to get the better of difficulty or obstacles. And we believe this is when it says that to conquer and to vanquish or subdue, to get the better of difficulty, to get the better of obstacles, we're facing some difficulty in our life. We're facing some obstacles in our life, no doubt about it. On the world around us, it's happening. So the question is, which side are we on? Because the word overcome just by itself grammatically, depending on how you use it grammatically, it changes its impact dramatically. And what I mean by that is the word overcome can be a noun or a verb. And the word overcome as a noun refers to a state or a condition, something we are, like we are overcome. It's like a direct object. We can be overcome if it's a noun form. Or the verb form, it's an action. It could be something we do. When we are the subject, we overcome. So it depends which side are we going to be on. Are we going to be on the direct object side, means that we are overcome, something's overcoming us, or are we going to be on the subject side, which says we will, action verb, we will overcome. And that's what I'm believing for. That's what I'm telling you today, that we will overcome. We want to be on the subject side and not the direct object side. So we're just thankful for what God is doing in our lives and Today, I want to talk specifically about one thing. I want to talk about overcoming what we see by focusing on what was said. Overcoming what we see by focusing on what was said. In order to overcome what we see, we need to know what is said. We need to know what God says. In order for us to overcome what we see around us, and a lot of times we're all going to be faced with adversity and situations going on all around us in our life, and if we're going to overcome that, we're going to have to have something that God said that we're hanging on to. Now, at the Rhodes Church, every time we open God's Word, we get excited because we believe that God is going to speak to us. We believe He's got something to say. And so even though we're not together today, right there in your living room, right there as you're watching on your phone or your TV, if you have your Bibles today, come on, let's make some noise as we open them up to Numbers chapter 13. Woo! Numbers 13. Yes. Yes, I feel you. I heard you in your room. Now, give context as you're turning there. Numbers chapter 13. The children of Israel had just come out of 400 years of slavery in Egypt. And they had escaped from bondage after 10 plagues and 
through the parting of the Red Sea, they finally come to the promised land. They finally get there. And the Lord gives them instructions to go spy out the land, and he sends out 12 leaders. We talked about this a little bit last week, and I want to expound on it today as we talk about overcoming what we see by remembering what was said. So he gives instructions to these 12 leaders to go out and check out the land, and so they return back. And I want to jump in today where they return back with the report. And we'll start reading, if you are following along with me, in verse 25. It says, And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh, and they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told them and said, We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we've gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in theirs. I want to pray. Father, I just thank you for the reading of your word. Holy Spirit, I ask you just to move into every person, every screen, every home. I pray that you speak through me right now, Lord, that it will not be me that people remember, it will not be me that makes an impact, but I pray it will be your spirit and it will be your word. I pray that you bring it to life. I pray that you bring clarity and understanding, Lord. Jesus, we're here to exalt you. There's only one king in this place, and his name is Jesus. So we want to lift you up and celebrate you and thank you for the life that you've given us, that we are overcomers through you. It's in your awesome name, Jesus, that we pray. Everybody say amen. Amen. Now what happens here is, that, again, we talked about he sent the spies to search out the promised land. And in verse 17 through 20, he talks about Three things that he wanted to check out when he goes to spy out the land. Three things I want to check out. One, I want you to check out the people, whether they're strong or weak. I want you to check out the cities, whether they dwell in camps, you know, like they got tents, or whether they have strongholds, whether they have cities with walls and strong buildings. See what the cities are like. And then check out the land. See whether it's rich or poor. In other words, does the land produce a big harvest? Is it fruitful land? Is it dry? Is it is it barren? What kind of land? What, what kind of land are we getting into? So you want to check out those three things. And he said, these, these other four words we talked about last week, he said, don't forget, be of good courage. Be of good courage. When you go into this land, the three things that I'm telling you to spy out, don't forget to be of good courage. And that word courage means to persevere and withstand danger, fear, or difficulty. So he was giving him a heads up. Hey, you're going into a land and there's going to be danger or fear or difficulty available to you. It's going to be there. You're going to see it. But in spite of it, when you see it, I want you to have courage. I want you to persevere. I want you to keep going. Even when you see danger, fear, or difficulty, I want you to keep moving forward. Don't be discouraged by what you see, by the danger, fear, or difficulty, but be encouraged 
by what I've promised you, what I've said. So don't let what you see discourage you, but let what I said encourage you. Are you feeling me today? See, we got to remember what God said about something in our life more than what we see about something. And this is what God was saying. Hey, you're going to see some things. Don't let danger, fear, or difficulty cause you to forget what I said. So they reported back. Let's jump down to verse 27. They come back to report back to Moses. Here's what they said, verse 27. Uh, they said, you know, uh, Moses, we, we went back, we went to the land where you sent us, and it truly, everybody say truly, it truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Now, when it says it flows with milk and honey, it doesn't mean literally that there was milk and honey just flowing everywhere. It was a phrase that they used. And the phrase milk and honey is very important because it means it had an abundance of food. Well, you know, when they ask him to spy out the land and say whether it's rich or poor, when they came back and said the land flows with milk and honey, they were saying this, they were saying this land is rich, baby. It's flowing with milk and honey. In other words, there's an abundance of food. It's not barren. We didn't, it's, it's for, and it, how they show that it's even, how abundant was it? They even brought back grapes, a cluster of grapes that they cut off. Between two people, they had a pole, and they were carrying a cluster of grapes on a pole. Now, I went to the store and picked up some grapes the other day. I didn't have to carry it home on a pole. They were good grapes. They're wonderful grapes. But these were grapes. This is how abundant this land was, how rich it was, that they were carrying a cluster of grapes on a pole. So keep that in mind when we're talking about the land that they saw. This was what was true. They said, hey, truly, everything you said about the land, it's true. Here's your check. Check out the grapes. So everything you said about the land was true. The problem was, go to verse 28, they saw something else that was also true. And this is, this is what's also uh, many times a problem in our lives. We, we hear what God says, and we see some things about what God said is true. But what trips us up is when we see other things that are also true. And here's what they saw. What else did they see? That the people, they're strong. Said so the people, we saw, saw the people that were strong. That didn't mean that they walked in, you know, spied out the city, and they saw a bunch of people in there working out. You know, they didn't see them doing bench press and curls and squats and go, hey, those people are strong. Do you see their arms? No, that's not what they mean. When they said the people were strong, they're not talking about just muscle physical strength. They're talking about their military capability. That these people had strong military capability when they said that. Also said the cities were fortified. What do they mean by the fortified? That means they were secured. They didn't, they didn't live in tents. They didn't live in open fields. They had walled cities that were secure and fortified. In other words, you weren't going in there easily. And how fortified were they? The very first city that they were going to, to face, city of Jericho, had walls around this entire city. And that, those walls were so thick that the Bible says that they literally raced chariots on top of the wall. That means that that wall had to be at least two chariots wide so somebody could pass. It's not much of a race when it's single file. If it's single file and one person starts in front of the other one, guess who wins? But no, this is so wide that they could race. That means there had to be room to pass. That's how thick this wall was. So when it says the cities were fortified, it says that they were secure. So now they saw that. So what you said, they, they came back and said, you know, Moses, what you said about the land is true, Nevertheless, everybody say nevertheless. 
Nevertheless, they saw something else that was true. Now, the word nevertheless is a conjunction that goes between two opposing thoughts or positions. I said this last time, and I think it's important to reiterate, we will often be faced with two opposing facts that are both true. The question is, which one's going to be the truth that defines our actions? We're going to face two things. Now, when they saw the people were strong and the cities were fortified, they thought that those were two opposing facts, but God didn't. God didn't believe that those were opposing facts. They thought that the presence of opposition, this is where, where I get and where we get sometimes in our life, they thought that the presence of opposition negated the truth of what he said. So the land is true, check out these grapes. But when they saw the strength of the people and the fortification of the cities, they thought the presence of opposition negated the truth of what God said. So they have the grapes to compare, the truth of the grapes, the land, what God has for them. That's awesome. But they also saw the strength of the resistance, and they thought the presence of opposition negated the truth of what God said. But God didn't say that. Everything that God said, this is so important for us in our life. Everything that God said about the land was true. God didn't lie. God didn't lie and tell them, hey, the people are weak and feeble. They live in little puny tents that you could blow over with a stiff wind. He didn't say that. He said this land is already inhabited by the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Canaanites. He said they're all there. He already told them they were there. He did not lie to them. They just didn't expect to see it the way they saw it. He told them up front. He said, hey, go check out the land. So he told them. They, they weren't supposed, seeing the opposition wasn't the problem. That wasn't the problem. He sent them to spy out the land. He expected them to see the opposition. They weren't supposed to be discouraged by seeing the opposition. They weren't supposed to be discouraged by seeing the magnitude of their enemy. They were supposed to be encouraged by seeing the magnitude of their God. Sometimes when we see the opposition, God, God doesn't mind when we see adversity. He expects us to see adversity in our life. Our problem is we've been programmed to think when we see adversity, something's wrong. When we see opposition, something's wrong. What did I do wrong? Everything isn't going smooth. Everything isn't easy. Everything isn't uh, just going the way I want it to all the time. What's wrong? Nothing's wrong. Sometimes in our life, we've been duped to thinking that when my life is right, there will be no problems. But I want to challenge that thinking and tell you that if you're never facing adversity, if you're never facing trouble, if you're never facing challenges, something is absolutely wrong. God, God was saying to them, hey, I, it's, it's, it wasn't that I didn't want you to see them. I wanted you to see them. But I wanted you to see me bigger than them. Wasn't that he didn't want them. See, God doesn't ask us to believe what he says only in the absence of opposing facts that we see, but rather in spite of the presence of them. Let me say that again. You didn't get it. Write this down. You're taking notes at home. Come on, write this down. God doesn't ask us to believe what he says only in the presence, or sorry, only in the absence of opposing facts that we see, but rather in spite of the presence of them. 
So even when we see adversity, in other words, God said something to you. He promised something to you. He told you this was what he has for you. And you see the opposing facts. You see opposition. You see resistance. He's saying, don't believe me just when you don't see anything opposite of what I said. I want you to believe me in spite of when you see something opposite of what I said. When you're praying for your child and your child gets worse, believe me in spite of what you see. Don't believe me just because you don't see anything going wrong. Believe me even when you see something going wrong. Don't believe me just when you feel well. Don't believe me just when you get the promotion, when everything's going well at work, everything's going the way you want it to be. Believe me whenever God has given you a word. He's given you a word for your mind and for your thoughts and for your family. And everything you see around you speaks opposite to what God told you. That's when he says, I want you to dig in your heels and I want you to believe what I said. That what I said to you will trump what you see around you. What I say about you has to be more important than what you see about you. I want to encourage you today, you will overcome when you remember what he said more than what you see. Now, the problem isn't as much as what they saw that caused them to get discouraged or challenged about what he said, but it was what they couldn't see. See, the problem, I don't know about for you, but for me, the, the belief that God can do something is rarely my problem. And you know, when I talk to people, the belief that God can do something is, is, is rarely the problem. The fact, hey, I, I know that God can. Usually the problem is we don't see how. So God tells you something, you know, I believe it can happen. I believe it's possible. You know, most people believe it's possible, but where we get tripped up is where they got tripped up. God said, hey, I'm giving you this land. And so they see the land that God wants to give them. They're like, whoa, yeah, I want that land. Look at them grapes, Right? But then they didn't see how it could happen. They didn't see how it could work. And this is where we get challenged with what God said. Not the fact that he can't do it. We usually believe that he can. We just don't see how. And so our courage is tied to what we see about what we can do, how we think it can work out. And our courage doesn't need to be tied to what we see. Our courage needs to be tied to what he sees and what he said about what we see. God's going to see it from a different perspective. And so I want to encourage you today to see it his way. They're afraid about what was going to happen because they didn't see how. They all saw the same thing. All the 12 spies saw the same thing. You know, I said that it isn't about as much what they saw that was the problem. It's what they didn't see. Well, they all saw the, t- the same thing. But two of them saw something that the 10 did not see. They saw something the other 10 didn't see. Notice what Caleb says in verse 30. Caleb speaks up, you know, after they gave him this doom, despair, and agony on me, hee-haw reference, they gave it to them. Then he says in verse 30, he pipes up and he says, you are quieted the people, shh, 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 hush up, hush up all you doubting fear voices, all you fear and anxiety voices talking in my head. Come on, hush those voices in your head right now that telling you we're not going to get out of this. This America's not going to come out of it. We're not going to be victorious. We're not going to overcome. Hush those voices. Quiet those voices in your life. Hear the voice of God. We will overcome. You need to hear a voice of confidence, not in ourselves, but in him. My confidence is not in myself. I'm not going to get myself very far. But I am persuaded that he was, he's able to keep what I commit unto him against that day, until that day. So I just thank God. Caleb began to quiet some voices around there. And look what he said. He quieted those voices. He says, hey, let's go up at once and take possession for where we are well able 
Everybody say, well able. Well able to overcome it. Well able, that means to have power, might, and ability to endure and prevail. Caleb saw something the other ten didn't see. He saw the well able. The question I'm asking you and that I ask myself in times, do we see the well able? We see the difficulty. We see the adversity. But what separates the overcomer from the one who becomes overcome? What separates the subject side from the direct, direct object side is which way do you see? Do you see the well able? Usually I can see that God can. I believe that man, God is able, but I don't see that I'm able. But Caleb and Joshua said, we are well able to overcome it. You got to see yourself as well able. He said, we're well able to overcome. I told you that word overcome means to conquer, to vanquish, to subdue, to get the better of. So Caleb and Joshua saw themselves as the subject. They saw themselves as the one doing the overcoming. They didn't see themselves as the one being overcome. They didn't see themselves as one that are under the, under the influence of something outside of them. They saw themselves as the one taking action. They saw themselves as applying themselves to the subject, to the verb part of overcome, saying, hey, we will overcome. And that's how God wants us to see ourselves. They said, we see the people. We see the strong people. We see the giants. We're not blind. We see the adversity. We see the fear. We see the difficulty. We see all that. We ain't trying to pretend nothing. We're not trying to pretend it's not there. We see all that. But we see something else. And that's my encouragement to you. See all that stuff going on around you. Don't pretend. Faith does not come from pretending troubles aren't in our life. Faith doesn't rise up because I pretend that I'm not going through difficulty. Faith does not show up in my life because I try and say, I'm not having any troubles, I'm not having any troubles, I'm not having any troubles. That is not faith. Faith is when you see it. You hear it and you feel it. And in the midst of it, you look at it and you say, I will overcome. I will not back up. I'm going to keep coming. I'm going to keep coming right in the midst of it. Faith believes what God said over what you see. You can say this is what's happening in my marriage right now. You can see it. You can say this is what's happening with my kids right now. I can see it. You can say this is what's happening in my bank account. I can see it with my job. I can see it. Yes, I can see it. We're not trying to pretend. We can see that the coronavirus has had a huge impact on our country. We can see that the coronavirus has had a huge impact, impact on employment, people losing their jobs. Millions of people out of work because of the coronavirus. We can see people being affected from a health standpoint and all the fear. We see all of that. But in the midst of seeing all of that, we have to remember that he said something. He said something. And i got to believe what he said more than what I see. I'm not saying I don't see it. I'm just saying what he said causes me to see something bigger. And that's what we got to have in our hearts. we got to have another set of eyes. We don't pretend. We don't pretend like it's not there. But man, we're going to see something else. God's moving. God's moving. So they, they said they see all that, but... They, did, they didn't say, here's what I liked about Caleb and, jo and, and Joshua. Here's what I liked about them. They were not leaders that said, well, let's wait and see. They were leaders that said, watch and see. They were leaders that took action. 
They weren't leaders that stood passively by and said, well, let's just wait and see what happens to us. No, 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 no. They weren't passively waiting. They said, watch and see. Let's take action. And when we take action, look what God will do for us. Sometimes we're waiting to see what happens before we believe God. And God is saying, jump out and believe me and watch and see. Watch and see God move in your life when you step out in faith. When we say, God, I believe what you said more than what I see. Well, now, Chad, let's calm down. Let's wait and see what happens first. I understand there's certain applications for that theory or for that ideology. I understand that. But I understand most of the time, if we're just passively sitting by to wait and see, we're going to be more like the 10 than we are like the 2. And we got to be the take action. We want to be people that are overcoming adversity, not being overcome by it. Can I get an amen from somebody in their house? Come on, put it in the comments. Put below. Come on, type in there where you're watching from. We want to know where you're watching from today. Give us a shout out. Give God some glory. Give, I'll give you two seconds to type out a praise to God because he is worthy of our praise. We are overcoming because greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Type it out that God's bringing you through. Type it out that you're going to overcome through your family situation, your work situation. It doesn't matter. God is for you. We just sang about it. He's for you and he's with you. You need to be encouraged today. That Jesus is on the throne. Man, if he's for me, if he's for me, who could be against me? It doesn't mean nobody's going to be against me. It just means I don't even know their name compared to him. Who are they? Who who they be going to be against me? Jesus is on my side. Come on, let God be praised in this place. So now look what happened. He said, now we're well able. We're well able to overcome it. So he said, let's take possession of it. So let's, let's make it to modern day. Taking possession of the promised land for them, what does that mean for you and I? We're not taking any land. We're not destroying or taking, we're not taking any walls and defeating any Canaanites or Jebusites or any kind of ites. We're not, we're not overcoming them. But here's, here's what we are doing. We are trying to possess the promises. We're not possessing the promised land, but we're possessing the promises of God. Because remember, God said this land is yours, it's available, but they had to go possess it. Here are the grapes. Go get them. So here what's happening. Look what it says. He said, take possession. What does possess mean? Possess means to occupy by driving out previous tenants and possessing in their place. I feel the presence of God just speaking to hearts right now. To occupy by driving out previous tenants and possessing in their place. Two-part process for us. Again, modern day, for us to possess what God wants for our life, the lifestyle. He had a land for them. He had a lifestyle for them to possess, the promised land. Well, God has a life for us to possess. He has a way of life for us to possess. It is available for us through Jesus, dying on the cross, raising from the dead. He made a life available to us but we have to go possess it. How do we possess it? By grace. It was made available through faith. We go possess. So two-part process to doing this. Taking new territory in our life, new habits, new feelings, new beliefs, new behaviors. How are we going to do it? Two things. Number one, remove and drive out the current occupants, which you don't want. They drove out the Hittites. We may have to drive out fear. They drove out the Jebusites. We may have to drive out addiction. They drove out the Canaanites. We may have to drive out worry or anxiety. You got to drive them out. Whatever you don't want in your life anymore, you got to drive it out. We may have to drive out bitterness or unforgiveness. 
We've got to drive it out. You don't want that in your life. So he said, you got to drive it out. That's number one. If you're going to take new territory, new thoughts, new beliefs, new behaviors in your life, you got to drive out what you don't want. It's not hoping, come on, come on, I need, I need somebody to say amen. I just feel like the encouragement coming. See, it's not hoping it goes away. Possessing the land is not hoping it just magically disappears. It's intentionally saying, you got to go. You know, I ain't having it. Ain't nobody got time for that bitterness anymore. I want to live in peace in my life. Ain't nobody got time for anxiety in my life. I want to be free from that. Ain't nobody got time to be all grumpy and grouchy because what happened to me 10 years ago, I got to put that on my past and move forward. Whew. One, you got to drive it out. You got to drive it out. Drive it out. Number two, after you drive it out, then you got to replace it and occupy it with what you want in its place. So get rid of what you don't want. Shoo, go, you gotta go. And then you put in a new belief, a new habit, a new way of acting, a new way of thinking in its place. You don't leave it vacant. You intentionally put in a new way. So I'm gonna get rid of that influence in my life and I'm gonna put the Bible in my life. Instead of watching or listening to that every day, I'm gonna start reading my Bible every day. I'm gonna start praying every day. You replace it with a new source Come on, some of you need to unplug from some of the news. Unplug from some of the social media. There's no way that we can uh, get rid of fear if we're constantly taking in fear. We gotta bring in a source of faith. And God, the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You want faith to stir up in your life, you gotta bring the word of God into your life. The word of God is more accessible than it's ever been in the history of mankind. There's no way you can't have enough word availability of the word in your life. So just encourage you, get the word in your life. Replace it with something else. That's how we're going to do it. Take possession. Now remember though, just as they were trying to possess the land, whenever you were trying to possess new territory or gain new ground, taking possession is not always going to be easy. It's great in theory. It's great in thought. But remember, the people are strong. The cities are fortified. This represents oppositions and resistance. They're going to try and keep you out, not give up. So you say, Chad, okay, I want to break this habit. I want to break this, this uh, habit of what's happening in my life with me and my spouse, uh, uh, this attitude. I want to break these, this mouth I have, this attitude I have, these, these feelings that I have. I want to break these addictions. I want to, I want, I want to break these habits. I want, I want to stop doing this. I want, to, I, want to, I want to break that addiction to porn. I want, I want to break that addiction to watching this or listen, whatever it is. Be ready. Be ready. The enemy will not give up easy. Here's the part about overcoming you and I need to know that, it's, that the enemies are strong and the cities are fortified. Now, Jesus has already done the work for us. All we have to do is receive it by faith. So getting the freedom has already been purchased by Jesus. Oh, man, you need to hear this. The freedom has already been paid for, but walking in it, possessing it is going to take effort. Not effort like works, like earning it. Not that kind of effort. I'm talking about resisting the lies of the devil and embracing the truth. The Bible tells us that we will know the truth and that truth that we know will make us free. It's not just the truth will make us free. It's the truth that we know, that I know for myself this is the truth about my life. This is the truth about my identity and who I really am in Christ and who, what God says about me. Here's the truth about what God says me about me. So every lie that the enemy says about me, I'm not going to believe it. And that me knowing that truth is what's going to make me free, but it's not going to come easy. They're going to try and resist. 
How many of you ever heard this phrase, old habits die hard? When you step out this week to try and change some habits and take some new ground, take some new territory, get ready because you're going to have some opposition. Expect it. You're going to see it. Don't be like the children of Israel that when you see opposition, you're like, oh, no, what happened? I thought God, I thought God said I was free. I thought God said that was going to happen for me. Why am I seeing resistance? Because there's enemies in our land. We have thoughts that we have to deal with every day. I wish I could tell you it was easy. I wish I could tell you. I wish I could tell you that I didn't have to go overcome opposition and adversity. Just to preach this message, I have to overcome so much junk in my head, so, much, so many voices trying to tell me what I can't do, what, I, what I'm not good enough to do, what I'm not smart enough to do, how I'm not good enough communicator. All these thoughts, I have to overcome them. I have to overcome them. I have two choices, be overcome by them or overcome them. And I have to press through. I feel it. I hear it. I sense it. But just because they're there doesn't mean it's my truth. My truth is not tied to how I feel. My truth is tied to what he said. And I always want you to know that God said something about you. And what he said about you has to take precedence over what you see about you. And so let's finish this. He said, so listen, we have to focus. Old old habits are going to die hard, but God wanted them to focus. And this part I thought was really important. God wanted them to focus on the promise, not the opposition. He wanted them to focus on the promise and not the opposition. God wanted the land, the life that he wanted them to experience to be their focal point. Instead, the opposition became the focal point. He wanted them to focus on the life that he prepared for them. He wanted them to focus on the life that he'd made ready for them, not how hard it was going to be to get there. Hear me. God wants you and I to focus on the land, the life that he has for us, not not how hard it's going to be to possess that land. Is it going to be difficult? Yes, but that's not the focal point. Just because it's going to be hard doesn't mean it's not for you. Jesus is our example. Jesus is our example. The Bible says in Hebrews, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the Father. What happened? That the joy that was set before him was his focal point. Your redemption, my redemption, my salvation was his focal point. He endured the cross. It doesn't say he loved the cross. It doesn't say he had any joy in the cross. He said he endured the cross. Well, guess what? I'm going to have to endure some things in order to possess some things. But when my focus is what I, on what I'm possessing, then I'm not discouraged by what I have to endure. But when my focus is on what I have to endure, what I'm trying to possess becomes fainter and fainter and fainter. God says, turn up your focus. Magnify. Magnify what God wants you to do, the life that God has for you. Make that bigger in your eyes than the obstacles that are trying to keep you from getting it. Focus on the land. They said it truly flows with milk and honey. The grapes represented the abundant life that God had for them in the Canaan land. The grapes represented abundance, remember? Abundant life. He had abundant life. Well, God says he has abundant life for you and for me. John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. He's got an abundant life for you. 
Abundant life. But here's what you need to know about abundant life. As I was studying for this, I heard some voices. As soon as, as, soon as I got to this part about the abundant life, I, I heard people complaining, saying about abundance. It's because he wanted the grapes to be motivation and inspiration of what kind of life he had prepared for them to possess. And some people hear abundance and they get all twisted about that. They think, they think it's materialistic. They, th they think it's about having so much, all this excess and just all about money or whatever. If you think it's materialistic, that's a you problem, not a God problem. Abundance is not about that. Look what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And God is able to make all grace. Everybody say all grace. All grace abound towards you. You watching. That you always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance. Everybody say abundance. abundance. Abundance for every good work. This is what he's saying, the Apostle Paul telling us, that God says, I'm going to make all grace abound towards you, that you're going to have an abundance for every good work. But here's the part. Here's the kicker. Here's the kicker. Abundance is not an abundance of feeling, but it's an abundance of resource. This land that he was showing them, I want you to focus on the abundance that I have. The land that I have, I want you to focus on abundance. When I got to that part, I thought, well, Jesus has abundant life for me. Having abundance sounds great. Everybody wants abundance. And God has abundance for us. He has abundance for us. But that abundance is not something that we think it is. It's not an abundance of feelings because you and I are not always going to feel in abundance. We're not always going to feel like we have abundance. The abundance speaks to the resources of God, not you and I's possession. We're not always going to feel abundant. We're not even always going to possess abundance. But here's what you got to know. Abundance is always available. What he's saying to us is there's always going to be enough for you. Because the lie can be. Here's where I get discouraged. When I don't feel abundance, then I think the truth is there's no abundance just because I can't see it or I can't feel it. And God said, just because you can't feel it doesn't mean it's not there. said, I have an abundance available for you to possess. Sometimes you're not going to feel it. Sometimes you're not even going to have it. But I have abundance for you. So in those moments when we don't see it, feel it, or hear it, then we have to go and possess it from Him. You're not always going to have this in your life. Philippians chapter 4, 19. And my God shall supply all your need according to the riches, his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches. His riches. His riches. What does that mean? That's encouragement to me. Encouragement to you. That this land that they had. Remember they brought out the grapes, and I wrote this down. I thought this was important. The grapes represented the abundant life that God had for them, but the giants represent what they had to overcome to get it. <laughs> I had this thought that came to me. Everybody wants to eat them grapes, but not everybody wants to beat them giants. If grapes represent the abundant life that Jesus has for me, I think we'd be hard-pressed to find somebody that would say, I don't want the abundant life that Jesus has for me. Everybody wants to eat them grapes. When they brought the grapes out on them poles, you got to know everybody was like, what? That's crazy. I've never seen grapes. Everybody wanted them grapes. But when they saw the giants, everybody wanted to eat the grapes, but not everybody wanted to beat the giants. 
The difference is, what do we focus on? And whenever Caleb and Joshua saw the giants, saw the adversity, saw what they were gonna have to overcome to possess it, they said, God said we are well able to overcome it. So I want them grapes. So I'm willing to overcome whatever I have to overcome to get them. Come on, you got to be encouraged this morning as you're watching this, wherever you may be watching it back later, listening to it on the podcast. There's going to be a price to pay sometime to walk in the freedom that Jesus has for you. You may have to overcome resistance. I wrote some things down. Maybe this will apply to you. I may have to overcome a giant of fear and anxiety to possess peace of mind. I may have to overcome a giant of unforgiveness and bitterness to walk in love. I may have to overcome a giant of hurt or abuse to find healing. I may have to overcome a giant of addiction to find freedom. Freedom. But here's the thing. We have to be hungrier for the grapes, the way of life that God has for us, than we are afraid of the giants. We have to be hungrier for the life that God has for us than we are afraid of the opposition trying to stop us. We have to be hungrier for what God says than we are afraid of what we see. We will overcome when we believe what he said more than we believe what we see. Here's what I know. What we believe that God has said about our life, about what we can possess, what we can walk in, what we believe will either be overcome by what we see or, and this is my prayer for us, that what we see, hear, feel, will be overcome by what we believe. That what you believe about what God said about you is going to overcome what you see. So here's the question. Which are you hungrier for? Are you hungrier for the grapes? Are you afraid of the giants? Are you hungrier for what God has for you or are you afraid of the opposition? I want to be hungry for grapes. I want to be hungry for what God has for me. I want to be hungry to overcome. I want to be hungry to experience it. And that means I'm going to have to overcome adversity. I'm going to have to overcome some giants. You're going to see, hear, and feel giants in your life. But there is an abundance of supply. New mercies every morning are available for you. So I want to pray for you. I want to pray for our country. I want to pray for our nation. But I want to pray for you and your family. And I want to tell you, we will overcome. We will overcome not just because we want to. We will overcome because our faith and our hope is in Jesus. And my desire for you today, and what I pray that God encourage your heart with today, is that God has said something to you. And even though you don't see it around you the way you want to see it, what he said is resonating in your heart. You may not see what you want to see with your marriage or your family, your kids, your job, your finance, your health. You may not see what you want to see. But right here, we need to find out what he said. Find out what he said about your life and begin to put this in your heart more than the opposite. Let your words match up with what God said. So if you would, I just ask you to just begin to pray right where you are. Just bow your heads right there in your home. I want to pray with you. I want to pray, in you, pray for you, pray with you that you are an overcomer. 
You are an overcomer because Jesus is with you and he's for you. Maybe, maybe you don't know Jesus as the Lord of your life. Before we leave, I want you to take a moment. I'm gonna give you a chance to accept Jesus into your heart. But this is for everyone, followers of Jesus and followers, people who don't even believe in Jesus. You need to know that there's gonna be opposition, but in the face of the opposition, victory is on the other side when you keep moving forward. I wanna pray and give an opportunity for those of you that don't know Jesus, you need to be a part of this first because there is no, come on, let me, let me make this very clear. There is no victory outside of Jesus. There is no hope for our nation outside of Jesus. He is the hope of the world. He is the strength of the world. He's the one that makes the difference. He's the one I put my confidence in. He's the one I put my hope in. He's the reason that I'm overcoming because he's in my life. So I want him to be in your life. I want you to just bow your heads with me and I want you to pray. If you need to ask Jesus to come into your life, I want you to make him the Lord of your life. You need to know this, friends. Jesus died on the cross. He did not sin at all, lived a perfect life, and people still crucified him. He willingly, willingly gave his life for your life and for mine. The Bible says if we will believe and put our faith in him, that the price that he paid for the sin of all of humanity can be applied to my life through faith. Salvation is, a, is extended to us by grace. We can't, we can't make it happen. We can't, we can't make God give it to us. It's by His grace. The fact that we can even be saved is by His grace. But the way that it's applied into your heart is by you believing what He did for you. So I want you to pray this with me. Ask Jesus to come into your life. Just say, Father in heaven, I believe that Jesus paid the price for my sin that I could not pay. I believe he rose from the dead so that I could be and ex I could experience a new life. Today, I ask you to forgive me. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I choose to believe what you say about me instead of what I see about me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. You are my Lord. You are my Savior. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Listen, if you prayed that and you meant that with all of your heart, I wanna encourage you to take a moment and get out your phone. And we're gonna pray for people in just a moment, so don't check out just yet. But take your this phone and I want you to text to the number 618-243-0900. Type in the words, all one word, new life that today you made Jesus the Lord of your life. All we wanna do at the Roads Church is connect you to Jesus from all roads of life. Maybe you don't even go, maybe you're not even around our area. It doesn't matter, we still wanna connect you with Jesus. We want you to know him. We want you to know the life and the freedom that comes from a relationship with him. Wanna help you with your next steps. It's not just about a prayer and you go on the rest of your life and hope it all works out. No, it's about daily walking in him and growing as a disciple, learning who he is and learning who you are in him. Learning everything that he has for you, it's so important. Text that new life to 618-243-0900. Or if you need prayer this morning for anything, that same number, 618-243-0900, we wanna pray for you. I wanna pray for people who need healing. We have some words of knowledge that I wanna give out 
Just some prayer things that we feel like God showed us that we want to pray for. Maybe you're watching this and this, this is you, that we want to pray for this. We want to pray specifically that God touches your life. Someone dealing with sciatic nerve pain in the right hip. If that's you, we want to pray for that. We believe God wants to heal you. Muscle spasm, spasms, rather, in the middle of the back. Someone struggling over weight issues, struggling with trying to lose weight, whether it's a thyroid issue or whether it's just a dietary issue, a blood sugar level, whatever it is, I don't know. You just let God speak to you and let him touch you right now. Someone dealing with weight issues, someone struggling with fear over coronavirus, just fear, the very fear of it has you paralyzed or trapped. We're gonna break that. We're gonna break that fear over our life in the name of Jesus. That God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Also, someone with a right inner ear infection saw the right inner ear inflamed and red hot. So if you have a right inner ear, ear, inner ear infection, God's willing to heal that. Also, someone with a 104 degree temperature fever or higher. 104 degree fever or higher. I want to pray for that. So I want to pray for you to be an overcomer. I believe some of you are going to take steps this week to overcome, that you're not going to be the direct object anymore. You're not going to be overcome, but you're going to overcome. Let's pray. Father, I just pray for the power of the Holy Spirit right now to go into every screen, through every speaker. Holy Spirit, you are living and powerful. You're not limited by time, space, or matter. You created time, space, and matter. So Lord, I just release healing for all those that are needing it right now in the name of Jesus. We rebuke the coronavirus in the name of Jesus. We command it to die in this world. We pray that it come to a screeching halt in our country. That the power of prayer will show the power of God that you will be on display. God, we thank you for those needing healing of the sciatic pain, the muscle spasms, inner ear infection, the weight loss issues. God, we just thank you for your grace and for your, for your healing now, for that fever to go in the name of Jesus, that the body temperature re return to 98.6. God, for all those need healing of things that we didn't even mention today, God, I just release the power of God, the presence of God to go right into their homes and we just tell that pain to go in Jesus' name. The blood disorders are healed by the stripes of Jesus. Anxiety, fear, we break you in Jesus' name. We overcome you because what God has said is stronger than what we feel and what we see. So God, we put our faith and our hope in you that nothing is too difficult for you. No matter what we see, what you said gives us courage today. We praise you for it in Jesus' name. Man, it's our, our desire and prayer here at the Rhodes Church for you to walk out your relationship with Jesus in power and in victory. Not that you're always going to feel victorious. Not that you're never going to have problems. Not that you're always going to feel abundance in your life. But there is an abundance available for you. An abundance of peace. Abundance of joy. Abundance of love. Abundance of grace. It's available so turn to Jesus. 
He's the one that's going to bring into your life. We pray that you have an overcoming week. Stare that enemy in the eye. Stare that difficulty in the eye. And you say, hey, what has been said about me is greater than what I see about me. We love you. Have a great week. Be blessed. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.